G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Because we're going to be talking about, as you might have heard me promoting through the morning, the ape-man differences to the image of God. Now, when we look at the very first chapter of Genesis, we can't help but be impressed with the idea that God created man and woman in his image. The precise meaning of what that means to be created in God's image has been debated for centuries. It's likely to be a combination of a whole lot of dimensions, like sharing God's attributes, like reason or having cognitive abilities, language and communication, emotions, morality and creativity, or the capacity for having relationship with God as creator. Or it may be having this connection to our commission to represent God's presence in the world as we've been given dominion over the earth. It may also be our ability to perceive the transcendent, putting us in a space that science can't hope to measure. But there's a problem for people who think that the idea of evolution must necessarily be somewhere in the mix. If we evolved from simple organisms or from apes, how does that even come close to fitting the Bible narrative? Doesn't that diminish the value of humanity? Doesn't that make us just another animal? Well, our special guest today has been thinking through these issues. He's not unfamiliar to you if you're a regular listener division. John Mackay, the creation guy, who has a number of books in production right now. We'll talk about some of those. But one of those that's in production right now deals with the ape-man differences to the image of God. John Mackay, a special welcome along to 2020. G'day, 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 Neil, and it's really good to be back on 2020. John, you've always got some books in production. And, uh, <laughs> nice for us to get a little bit of a preview on some of your mm-hmm. thoughts around this mm-hmm. issue today. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, uh, let me ask you about all the books that you've written. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you've probably lost count. Mm-hmm. Uh, but give us a little uh, idea about uh, how many books you've got. I noticed on your website there's lots and lots of them. Well, I'm always reminded when I get questions like that about that scripture that says, of books there is no end. (laughs) And I'm sure until the day the Lord takes me, we'll be putting his words he's given us back in a way that you and I can share easily because we are less than him but made in his image, as you correctly said. And he's the word, and words matter so much. So um, it started ages ago with a book for tech ed department on coal geology and no, nobody else has been interested at all because that's what I used to lecture in, but it was a great book. Yeah. Um, but we're right up to date now with the Q&A one, which is coming out, which has got eight men and God and creator and, and all the man differences, etc., which is what you themed in on. And the two that I just put on your desk deal with uh, the evidence that you don't need time. You, you, you need the right process for things to happen. Time doesn't make molecules evolve into men. Only an intelligent designer 
or a creator can do that. So that's done as a textbook for teens, just hot off the presses, uh, sitting there on your desk. And then there's the newest one on dinosaurs. What happened to dinosaurs? So I think that's the sixth in the series for kids this year. So uh, they're all doing well. We've run out of one one, and we're just reprinting two new ones. So praise the Lord. So it's keeping us pretty busy, mate. Well, honour to you because I note that with a lot of your books, obviously they are aimed at kids because yeah. kids are the ones yeah. at risk. That's they're not right. getting a creation message mm-hmm. when they go mm-hmm. to school. So uh, you're on the right track, obviously, uh, targeting some of this materials to kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're also incorporating into that some of the latest technologies to bring alive the books that you are writing for the kids. Well, that's true. And if, if you don't mind me sort of encouraging people who think life is so tough and everything's gone wrong, this latest one with interactive technology, and you know, I showed you, you can put your iPhone over it, scan the page, and it comes to life, and you get a video, etc. It came about because our artist actually broke his leg in three places, and the whole project went three months um out of phase and I thought oh no I've promised all our people they can have this in March and that's not going to be ready no it's all gone wrong and in that delay we met a couple of guys from Melbourne who've developed this interactive technology and it was just time enough when he was getting better for us to incorporate it and now the book is 10 times better than it ever would have been the dinosaurs come alive on the pages and the parents who've seen it now that it's been released only a week ago think oh this is fantastic because it does one thing If you're sick and tired of the kids only watching their phones, right, we are too. Uh, Many parents say, take the phone, read your tablet, you know, and never interact. So this is called interactive rather than just um, 3D stuff. And the kids have to have the book. You have to work with them. And it really is spectacular. So we're aiming at the kids because they are the next generation of leaders, right? They need to know God's word is true from the beginning. Well, thank you that in the two or three minutes that we had just getting you settled in here between my conversation with Daryl and uh, starting our conversation here, you passed me your new books and then you said, oh, I've got to show you this. And so uh, within a space of about uh, 30 or 40 seconds, you pointed your smartphone at one of the frames in a comic book style presentation mm-hmm. and the uh, the facial recognition technology that is mm-hmm. available in your smartphone was able to bring to life uh, what was in the comic book yeah, presentation. A, a kid walked out, picked up a fossil and you could bring your phone in and scan it in detail. So, you know, just fabulous stuff. Really wonderful interactive technology and uh, useful. That's the one about what happened to the dinosaurs. But let's come back to uh, the ape man Mm -hmm. and uh, this idea of the image of God because, you know, some of us, uh, we take for granted that somehow or other we're created in God's image and that makes us special. But if uh, it comes into the equation, this idea that we're not created by God, that somehow or other we evolved out of those uh, or however people talk about uh, how this evolution process works and we're not created in the image God, uh, well, we're not special at all. So, uh, So is that... How does this fit into the sorts of questions that you're getting when you're addressing audiences? Because people want to somehow rather reduce humanity to mm. just like the animals. But this is a very important uh, topic to talk about, John. It is. And personally, as some of you who've uh, listened to me on Vision have heard, I grew up outside the church. My year eight teacher introduced me to evolution. And I thought, this is it. I'm an animal. I can do what I like. 
right? That was my automatic conclusion as a non-church person. And for several years, that's exactly what I did. Didn't satisfy me. I was smart enough to get away with it mostly, right? But in reality, I thought, this is ridiculous, right? And uh, anyway, then as a science student, you go looking for evidence because I love evidence, right? My dad, atheist, trained in a lawyer's office, but his reason for atheism was evolution again. We're apes, we're monkeys, right? And I thought, okay, there's got to be evidence, but there wasn't. Okay, jump forward right down to 2019 here in the studio. If I go out to universities or schools today, and I do this all the time, 90% of the young people have no confidence in the Bible. The teachers are saying because they are overwhelmed with that concept. We're so like apes and monkeys and gorillas. We must have come from them. We didn't come from Adam and Eve. We weren't made in God's image. So if I say the most impacting and even simplest but most profound thing you can say to a group of people is that you were created by God, that actually... That changes everything. I mean, this is this is the super simple uh, approach, isn't it? Yeah, you it, were it, created by God. Well, the interesting thing when you use that word "simple" is that people would say, "Oh, it's just a f- ignorant fundamentalist." But truth is always simple. It's lies and theories that get unbelievably complicated. So don't be worried by people saying, oh, that's just naive. Yes, it's naively true, right? So when God said, let us make man in his image, we were actually made that way. And that's a new beginning. We are not animals. We, if we behave like that, not only does it not satisfy up, it messes, it messes everybody else up, and, and it takes us far away from really knowing the God who we're created to know. So that's the importance of this. It's vital theologically, vital scientifically, vital sociologically, the whole bang lot. And brings into context this important message of the gospel, because if we say we're created in God's image, then we have the uh, the the rest of the story developing in Genesis of man's sin and the distortion of that image. And then we have the consequences of what happens with the distorted image uh, growing up through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And we come to a place at the beginning of the New Testament when Jesus arrives, the incarnate Son of God, the perfect image of of God himself, which sometimes we talk call, about, call him the second Adam because Adam was created uh, in the image and likeness of God. And so Jesus, the second Adam, the image and likeness of God, the perfect image of God. Now, our response to him and to align ourselves with his perfect image uh, doesn't happen automatically. We're still in this sort of distorted state as long as we don't acknowledge Jesus. This is contextually very important, John. Uh, take us into your thoughts about just how important it is to, to get this recognition that we are created in God's image, but there's a distortion. Okay. Um, the thing that's really showed up to me in dealing with people, whether it's from the homosexual issue, right, where you can do whatever sex you like, and then God says, no, I made you male and female, therefore. That goes all the way back to Genesis. Then you jump up to John, where the express image and glory of God, and you don't mind a little correction, do you, Neil? No, no, no. The Bible never correct. calls Jesus the second Adam, calls him the last one. Okay, right? Really, really crucial right, in the numbering good. system here. But uh, in reality, he came to deal with sin, which distorts our image, and then the rest of the Bible actually says we are being restored to his image. We mean made in his likeness. Because, put the whole picture together, he actually is the creator. 
we were made in his image in the first place. So when you've ever wondered, why wasn't it the Holy Spirit who came down? Why wasn't it the Father? Why was it the Son? The answer is all things were made by Jesus. Without him was nothing made that was made. So that's our direct contact there. And we're being remade in his likeness. So when I lead people to Christ, the joy you can see in their faces when they go from being just animals in their own estimation or others' estimation to knowing I'm actually specially made to be like God. I'm not just an overbrained gorilla uh, or anything like that, right? And it makes a, an incredible difference in how they live because they're now empowered to be different by the power of the God who created them. Interesting when we appreciate a process that we go through from that moment perhaps we can identify as a new birth and we're on this process of sanctification, becoming holy, uh, becoming more aligned to this image of the perfect uh, God, who is Jesus. And as we align ourselves with that image, there is a certain sense here in which you can almost uh, transpose this evolution idea because uh, because we're the ones who, you could argue, spiritually evolving into uh, Christ-likeness. Uh, not this idea of uh, devolving is, is what we actually see with this evolutionary theory. Mm-hmm. Except in one difference. You see, evolution is a process that happens by itself. And yet the scripture says we are being made daily into his likeness. So it's from outside in. Any Christian who says, I've got to work harder to be like Jesus. I've got to, got to give more money. I've got to help more people. You are in for a bad, bad life. You know, your whole modus operandi is going to shoot you in the foot. It's Jesus, I'm here. These are your lips. You saved me. Use me today. Take me to someone who needs to know it. The drug, drug addict in the gutter, he needs to know he's not an animal. He needs to know he's made in your image and you love him so much. You died for him. Pick him up, Lord. I am not an animal. Now, there's a line, isn't it, from mm-hmm. an old movie? Yeah. I think it was The Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what a powerful word that was uh, when you had someone who was born with a very significant mm-hmm. physical deformity and you know people have all sorts of questions around these mm-hmm. things so how can a loving god allow these sorts of things mm-hmm. to happen but but that was such a powerful and profound line because he was making a statement i am not an animal mm-hmm. and interestingly for those who might uh, align themselves with the evolutionary style message of saying that we are just animals, then those of us who are made a little less perfect uh, than others are going to be treated in a much more significantly worse way. Uh, what are your thoughts for the way we treat one another if we're, if we're denying that we're made in the image of God? If you take that to the opposite extreme, know all the vegan controversy that's happening at the moment? Yes. If we're all animals and we are killing each other, and it's called murder, then killing a cow is murder, right? So you, it, it covers the whole spectrum of how you not only treat us, but how you treat cows, because God authorized us to actually put cows to death because they're not made in his image. Now, I've, I've probably opened up a whole uh, thing there, but in reality what you find is if we are animals, we can treat each other like animals. Uh, if we are made in God's image, then whoa, we're going to be held accountable for not only how we treat each other, but how we treat cows. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
A fascinating conversation if you're just joining us. We're talking about the ape-man differences to the image of God. You might like to join our conversation. The talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. And you can leave a note, a comment, a question on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. John, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Anne in Labrador in Queensland. Hello, Anne. Welcome along. Yes. Um, my question is, um, okay, we were we created in the image of God and we're created from Adam and Eve. How did we get the different skin tones and colours that are now available all over the world? Okay, very good question. You see, when you have a look at Adam's skin colour or our skin colour today, mm-hmm. um, I'm one of the people who actually asked this question ages ago because it puzzled me. How could some of us be black and some, some are yellow and some have got spots like me, right? I'm freckled, right? So I went and did, on top of geology, I did three years of genetics at Queensland University and I really loved it because it really helped me understand what the differences between the skin colours were. So let me just take you to me standing in the front of the mirror, getting ready to come to vision this morning saying, oh, good grief, I can't go looking like that because... <laughs> Here I can see brown spots, untidy hair, I need a shave, but it's the brown spots that are interesting. You see, my studies and everybody else's tell you that brown is melanin, but I've only got it in spots. But when I look at Mr. Folau, he's got it evenly spread over most of his body, right? But it's the same pigment. When I visit America and meet a dear black brother with his real southern accent, he's black as black, but it's still melanin. Okay, I travel to England where they're sort of peaches and cream, you know. And uh, in reality, uh, my dad came from Scotland and he didn't know he had freckles until he got to Australia. Because in Scotland, you hardly ever got any sunshine and the melanin responds to the sun and shows up. But what was the peaches and cream? Well, the peaches stuff is the traces of both yellow and red. Okay, if you want to know the yellow that you see in the Chinaman, lift up your foot and in the soul, in the inset of your soul, you'll see it's yellowish. Or if you get a corn uh, on your fingers, you'll see it's yellowish. Yes. Every one of us has that yellow pigment. It's just mm-hmm. you only think of it in terms of Chinese. The red, mm-hmm. well, it turns out to be blood. But of course, mm-hmm. the pommies, um, you know, we call them blue bloods. Uh, usually because the the ones at the top were so uh, ill-living in terms of much things. You saw their blue blood, which isn't really good stuff showing through, but the pink is actually from blood. So studying all over the world, there's only three colours, and they're in every race of the planet. And the only difference between the black man and the white man is not how much melanin you've got, but where it is. That every human being has exactly the same amount of melanin producing granules in his cells, whether you're white or whether you are black. The question is, does it come to the top? You're jet black. Is it evenly spread? You're nice and brown. If it's down near the bottom, you are white. Uh, consequences, the white people, I know very pro-white people out there mightn't like this, but you're actually melanin degenerate because you have the highest rate of skin cancer on the planet, right? So therefore, the black man, he's got a reverse problem. He can't produce enough vitamin D unless he lives in the hot. So in Canada, when they went to Canada, black people who escaped from the slave trade did not go white. They just suffered from vitamin D deficiency. Now, what you'll find, therefore, is the races, no matter whether you're yellow, black, white, speckled or whatever, you all have exactly the same range of pigments. The only question is where it is. Okay, so in terms of how did we get it, let's start with Adam. Adam's Hebrew meaning red. 
right? Red, rosy, ruddy. So the, hence the concept, Adam was made out of the red earth. And that's a valid concept. The DM bit in his name is a reference to blood. That's the Hebrew word for blood. So he's the man of blood. Life is in the blood. Healthy blood is red, right? So Adam was rosy. I'll lay my bottom dollar that he wasn't black and he wasn't white. He was somewhere in the rosy brown middle. Why do I say that? 75% of all people on the planet today are in that range. The white ones and the black ones are at the extremes. Okay, go up to Noah. Noah's name has nothing to do with color. His name means rest because he would rest from God's judgment on the provision of the ark that God provided. He has three sons, however. One is Ham. Now, Ham is Hebrew for hot. It came into use in Egypt, and in Egypt you went black, or you were black, right? So Ham's name and black became traditionally associated, so Ham's name means dark. You go to Japheth, Japheth gave rise to the Japhethites, the Greeks, etc., and they're all lovely white. At least they think lovely in their own eyes, right? So therefore what you find is in Noah's day, something had happened to the trigger as to where the colors would end up. Right, So by Noah, he looked at his family and said, by Job's, that's a black one, right, and gave him a name to suit. And Japheth is a white one. We still do the same. I have a daughter whose name is Bronwyn. Bronwyn means fair in Welsh, right? The fair one. Now, would you like to guess what colour blue eyes she's got? And blonde hair and fair skin, right? Because that's what, that's what her name means. We still do that today. Noah did it as well. So from those three people who got off the ark, one darker, one lighter, and one in the middle, all people on the planet have come. And that's the percentage you still see on the ark. There would have been two of them, middle brown, one white, one black, and that's the percentage you still see in the world today. Nothing to do with where you live, to do with who your ancestor is. Does that help? Yeah, that's good. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> and I think, uh, like everyone who's going to need to listen to the podcast to catch up some of the intricacies in that answer, that uh, uh, spectacular answer. Our or, talk back line open. Or they can catch the DVDs on the Origin of the Races via creationresearch.net. Yes, yes. And uh, we'll give some uh, detail about how you can access some of these resources very shortly. Thank you so much, Anne. Let's take some more calls. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Um, good day, Neil. Good day, John. I, I just want to make a comment. I hope it's not off tangent. Um, I believe, like the uh, epidemic of suicide amongst young people, mm-hmm. is related to the teaching of evolution. Uh, I believe strongly that the uh, uh, spirit behind evolution is the spirit of suicide, because, like you said, if if you're not told that you're fearfully, wonderfully made by God, and you know God knew you before you even existed, you're told you're pond scum. If things go wrong and sort of stuff, and you know then um, suicide is the easy option because, well, you came from nothing, you're going to nothing, so nobody's going to miss you. Uh, there's no life after death. There's no nothing, no, no, no existence. So, you know, that, that's why suicide seems an easy option. I'm, I'm totally convinced you're on the right track there, mate. Go one step further. Since the theory of evolution is not true, since the data does not support anything changing in molecules to men, the whole thing is well, Donald Trump would say fake news, as a lawyer would say legally liable, or as Jesus would say, the father of lies from the very beginning has got us off track. Now, one of the consequences of any lie, if you believe it to be the truth, is personal depression, and in the end, it can lead to suicide. So when you look at like some of our kids' books that we've been promoting, Victoria, one of the kindergarten teachers was so thrilled because she's 
said, we've had dumped on us books that show little Johnny with two daddies, little Billy trying to figure out, is he a boy or a girl? My prediction immediately, you train him up like that with a lie and suicide rates will go off the wall, particularly amongst primary school kids. You watch. If you want to stop it, then get them back to where made in God's image. Our real problem is sin, not government. Our real solution is only Jesus and no other. Does that answer, Chris? Yes, thank you. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's continue to take some calls. Jason is on the line from Victoria. Hi, Jason. Good Welcome. Afternoon. Good afternoon, John, and good afternoon. I mean, good morning, John. I mean, to say good morning. Um, thank you. Neil, I'd like to say that we have, um, we do have a lot of issues that Jesus can only solve. Mm-hmm. Amen Jesus to that. Jesus is the only answer. And I pray, humbly pray that... More Australians will come to know him like I do. And I plead with those who are in the church to bring the um, bring more people to the Lord because they all need Jesus. Thank you for taking my call. Jason, thank you so much for your call. And a quick response from John. Okay, quick response. University student, I get up there, I'm talking about the evidence of creation. Hadn't even got onto the gospel yet. The girl came to me, 18 to 19 years of age, Anglo-Saxon background, said, but up till today I never knew there was a creator. Now, the interesting thing is two and two always make four. If evolution doesn't work, we had to be created. If we were created, I need a solution. I need to know this person, right? So you're absolutely right. As long as you start your evangelism of the good news with the good news is we're not animals. We're made in God's image. The bad news is sin. The only solution is the last Adam, Jesus. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much, Jason. Let's take another call before news. Damien is in Anguston in South Australia. Hello, Damien. Welcome. Hello, John. How are you going, mate? Not too bad. Where on earth is Anguston? Ah, uh, Whoops. Have we lost you, Damien? Can you hear us? Hello? Yes, Damien, we've still got yeah. you. Oh, good. Yeah, I just had another call that had to come through. I had to hang up on. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the Barossa Valley. Okay, know where you are, roughly. All right, cool. Uh, I've just got a couple of questions on the monkey idea and the evolution. Now, mm-hmm. I've been telling my daughter, she's been going to school, the theory of the Big Bang. Now, the question I like to always keep asking is, did the Big Bang happen in the universe or did the Big Bang create the universe? Well, they try to pretend that that question hasn't been asked because if you ask right about the beginnings, there is no answers for them because they're trying to avoid things coming from nothing. They're trying to assume that the laws of physics already uh, apply, that are going to work on the hydrogen that somehow came into existence and they don't want you to ask about it. So they won't go there. That's why the Bible says in the beginning God created. He is the all-consuming purpose and power and the scientist has no opposition to that. So according to most theories, it's what, you know, when you watch the TV, we're going to bring you uh, illustrations of what happened immediately after the Big Bang. You know, as one scientist said to me, do you know why we can't take you back to the Big Bang? I said, no, why? He said, that's when we sneak in all the rules we don't want you to see us doing. Right, so there's no answer there, mate. Sorry, but that's the way it is. Expose their lie. Damien, did you say you had a couple of questions? Uh, Yep. About 90 seconds out, so uh, a quick one here. I'll be quick. Now, the other one is the monkeys. Now, if we so-called come from monkeys, why are there still monkeys around? Why, why haven't the monkeys all died off? 
Okay, they they became um, you know genetically stable, and and that's why they've stayed stayed monkeys. Silly silly answer, isn't it? The reality is, you find that the evolutionist has no answer to that and tries to avoid the question. The real thing you need to do is say, listen, the evidence shows we are so different from them, and no monkey in a billion years could ever grow hands that could do what you could do with your hands. He's got hands, you've got hands, but you can actually pick up a paintbrush and use it. They can't. We're made in God's image. He does beautiful art. Look at his sunsets, right? In reality, we're made in God's image. Absolutely important. Keep on with the job. And 800-316-316. John, this is an, an issue that doesn't get unpacked all that often. Because when we are made in the image of God, we have an identity in God. Uh, without that identity in God, we're just left dangling, aren't mm-hmm. we? Well, this book you're talking about, Dr. Diane Eager and myself are putting together all the questions we've been asked about apes and man and ape man and image of God so that people have got it as a resource in their hands, right? Because it is such a vital issue. And you're right, it's really unpacked out there, whether you're in church or theological college, it's almost, it's too hard, it's too hard to go to, right? The scientists say, let's avoid it, but it's absolutely vital because if you don't know you're made in God's image and you don't know sin has ruined it, you've got no place to start evangelizing like a group of young people from our church went out onto the streets or down into the, you know, the schoolies week. And when they came back, I surveyed them and I said, okay, what was the common question you got from everybody about Genesis 1 to 11? All right. Creation, Noah's flood, sin. And, and that's where the young people are so far away. If you don't go there, they don't even know what your Jesus is about. Uh, no holds barred. If you have a question that you'd have always wanted an answer to, 1-800-316-316 on creation or evolution. Uh, those questions welcome today. And we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's continue to take some calls. We'll get as many in as we can. Shelley is on the line from Dubbo in New South Wales. Hello, Shelley. Welcome along. G'day. Shelley, what are your thoughts? Oh, um, I had several, and I was like, oh, gee, can I speak to you during the break? Because <laughs> you will be regretting having me on air. Cause I tell you, I, it I doesn't ramble. matter. We could have been on the break, or we could be on, and uh, you know, a few others listening in, that's all. What are yeah. your thoughts? Um, well, I actually, I love what you're talking about with the pigment. In fact, the first thing mm-hmm. I did when you're talking about the yellow pigment, oh, took my shoe off and had a look, and <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. What, I was it, was I telling the truth? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, I liked the, the basis, the scientific basis for that, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you were talking about us having thumbs, therefore we're better than the apes, mm-hmm. that, because you often, I mean, animals can manipulate things and you'll see scientists mm-hmm. getting all mm-hmm. excited when they, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, look, this animal used a tool, oh, mm-hmm. and they get mm-hmm. all, because our ability to do things is not what separates us from the animals. It's We're made in God's image, but it's not just because we have thumbs or we can do certain things because, you know, if we discover an animal can do something better than us, it's not relevant because it's not our abilities. It's what God has done that makes us different because there are people who don't have hands or don't have thumbs, but they're still made in God's image without them. Okay, just Um, just to qualify something you said there, it's certainly true that apes have thumbs, but when you look up the term opposable thumb, you can hold up your hand in front of a mirror and touch your first finger, your second, your third, and your fourth, and that gives you unbelievably dexterity. The ape's bones are actually designed to curve around a branch, so they've got curved finger bones. You don't. Therefore, they can't pick up a paintbrush. They can't even touch their little finger with their thumb, right? So therefore, there are really differences that do arise physically 
because we're made in God's image and he does great artwork. So do we, right? Yeah. The monkeys don't. They're not even listening to vision, which is tragic, but it wouldn't oh, make no. any difference because, you see, they're not made in the w- word's image, so they can't speak. So there are major differences. They don't even have a capacity in their brain for speech, right? They can communicate, but they can't speak. We're made in the image of the speaking God who said, let there be light. Let us make man, right? So don't be surprised that outside of God, we're trying to make man in our own image. Image. Uh, we do that with computers, but the monkeys don't even think about the issue. So as much as I appreciate the fact that there are some people without arms that still have the image of God, let's also be brutally honest and say, analyze the picture from beginning to now. Creation, very good. Sin, not so good. Judgment at the flood, degeneration. We no longer live a thousand years. Most of us won't make it to a hundred. Most of us are glad to be out of here by 85, right? And in reality, I was born with pyloric stenosis. Not good. I'm degenerate. I was born with freckles. I'm a mutant walking around, right? I can get skin cancer much easier than someone who's got even brown skin. So, yes, we can be born without hands, but you've brought up an aspect of the image of God which we need to spend maybe 10 seconds on. God is a spirit, right? And those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not simply a physical factor. The most important part is the spiritual aspect. That's the part that gets disillusioned when we think of us as animals. That's the part that gets absolutely despondent if we only believe we're made like monkeys, right? That's the part that really depresses us. And it's only when his spirit comes and dwells with us. The reason I've stayed a Christian is that my spirit, my father will come and dwell with you. That's the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. And he remakes me despite my mutant melanin, despite my degenerate stomach, right? He remakes me and one day he promises me the full works, a new body. Born without hands here, can become a Christian, but I'm going to get new hands in, in eternity in the new heavens and new earth. So there's the big picture. Hopefully that's been a help. Shelley from Dubbo in New South Wales. And Shelley, I know you said you had a number of thoughts, but I'll hold you there because there's others who want to get through too. But Shelley, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Let's hear from Kaz in Wyala in South Australia. Hello, Kaz. Hello, how are you going? Really good. What are your thoughts? Good. Um, it's really funny that you're talking about this because the other night um, me and my husband were watching TV and there was something about, um, there was a series about God on there and I'm a Christian and he's not. And he said to me, are you going to change the TV over? And I said, well, you can change it if you want. So then we started talking about um, evolution and God and like I'm a believer and he's not. So he, I said to him, so what, what are your beliefs? And he said, well, I believe that we come from the monkeys. And I said, well, who made the monkeys? And he goes, well, microorganisms made the monkeys. And I said, well, who made the microorganisms? And it was, it was banter between us. And he's a lot smarter than me. So um, I'm a new Christian and I sort of cut it off there. But I got quite um, offended and I thought, well, you believe in that and I believe in this and I'm sticking to what I believe in. And you can believe in what you believe in, but I think you're wrong. Uh, well, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you were gracious enough <laughs> to uh, sort of uh, actually get to that point humbly. Right? Remember well, the scripture I, that says, I, don't I harangue your husband. <laughs> but uh, 
pray for him because, you see, I was once in that position of saying uh, the microorganism somehow evolved to get to us because the evidence seemed overwhelming. So there's two sorts of evolutionists out there. There's those who've never studied evolution who just say, well, Professor David Attenborough says so. It must be true, right? It's in all the textbooks. And they've never stopped to think about it. So we need people like you to say, hey, stop. Where did the microorganism, what, what about the hydrogen? You know, in the end, there's no answer for any of these things. And then you can throw in Neil's question, what are the monkeys, why are they still the same? You know, so in reality, humbly approach, as Peter says, you know, if you're asked a question, give an answer meekly, right? So um, do that role and you'll find a real blessing. Make sure you ask the Holy Spirit to fill your mouth with his words and you'll be surprised at how much smarter he is in your mouth than you and I are in our own mouth. So pray for your husband and keep loving him for Jesus' sake. Kaz from Wyala in South Australia, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Before we take another call, just something that Kaz was picking up on here, because sometimes we feel like we lack confidence mm-hmm. putting our faith in Genesis uh, early chapters and saying, I believe that God is creator because mm-hmm. there are lots of people, including spouses who've been to university and mm-hmm. maybe we haven't been to university and we're holding this uh, this truth to, uh, you know, to what God teaches, mm-hmm. uh, but they've got degrees in this, that and the other mm-hmm. and we can feel as though uh, they're the smarter ones. We better listen to what they've got to say because we haven't got the degree. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts here for uh, for having confidence in uh, Genesis chapter 1, even though you haven't got some sort of science degree? Okay, learn a lesson that truth is always simple, and unless you become as a little child, you can in no way enter into the kingdom of God. So if you're a Christian, you should be at that point, asking questions like little kids do. Okay, so let's read Genesis. It's easy to read. I've had five-year-olds read it. Hey, what does this mean? Oh, God made everything in six days. They don't need a theological degree. They don't need a science degree. But when you are talking with people who are negatively interacting, learn a lesson from Jesus. He didn't go and say, well, here's 10 points wrong with your view, right? Because people just react negatively to that. He, eight times out of 10, turned it around and asked them a question. Okay, listen, to, the Bible says 10 times God made things after their kind, so monkeys have always produced monkeys. Have you ever seen them do anything else? Right. In other words, force them to actually face their unbelief in reality. So that's the, that's the best technique. Oh, God says he created. Have you ever seen anything happen by itself? Right? You know, those simple questions, childlike questions that they've never had to think about. They've just accepted the big picture because Professor such and such said so, and yet Professor such and such is being stupid. Still time for some more calls. 1-800-316-316. If you have a question or a comment, let's hear from Gavin in Rockhampton in Queensland. Hi, Gavin. Welcome. Good morning. Gavin, what are your thoughts? I've got a question just around creation and all that. Uh, I was listening to some of the previous comments and there was a comment made there between a lady and her husband and she was saying, well, who made who made the organisms and things like that? So I had a similar conversation. I've actually had this conversation a few times with various different people where we go down the same track. But in the end, what happens is the question's thrown back on me and says, right, you're saying God made the organisms, God made this, God made that, or the, the big bang period, who made the molecules, God made the molecules and the atoms. So the question comes back to me, how did God appear? Who who, who made God, or where where did God come uh, come from? Now, that's one question that I've never been able to answer, and I don't even try, because we all know that God's too big for our little minds to actually try and 
comprehend. So, you know, um, that's just a difficult one, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on how I should answer that one. Okay, now, that's one reason we set up our Q&A site. So if you go to creationresearch.net, click the Q&A button and put the question in. Where did God come from? Or God's origin or any words like that. So it's creationresearch.net, click Q&A. Okay, I was first confronted with this with a very antagonistic youth, about 15 years of age at a, at a teen meeting. And usually you get these questions uh, and, and they're right at the end. Well, if God made everything, where did God come from? And that was the first time I'd had to confront that. And so we put the answer that the Holy Spirit actually led me to on that night. And the good news is an hour later that rebel came to Christ, right? Because he really was searching. He was just hiding behind these questions. And that's what you find out about people. You've got two ways of finding out. One is to look through God's word because he has revealed where he came from. I have neither beginning nor ending, right? I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Eternal One. He has neither start nor he has finished, right? So the first thing a Christian could do is say, okay, well, I'll tell you what God says, right? And open up to the relevant, the three or four verses on this, including the same statement made about Jesus, right, in the book of Hebrews. So therefore you find that he actually answers that question. If you want to do it logically, which is the answer that came to mind as that young man challenged me, I said, well, look, I'm, I, I can play creator. I can make something. So we can look at the relationship between a creator and a creation. Let's imagine I made this desk, this lectern I'm standing behind. Uh, I said, honestly, I can't because I'm really good at smashing things, which is why I took up geology and break rocks. But let's imagine I could make this this bench thing here. Now, I existed before it. I'm not a part of it. I'm smarter than it. And it depends on me. Give me an axe and I'll prove it. I'll chop it up, right? And I said, the same relationship exists between God and his creation. What did he create? In the beginning, God created the heavens. If he made space, he's outside of space. He invented the earth. If he made matter, he doesn't weigh anything. He's outside of matter. And if he made day and night, he invented time. So he's outside of time. He has neither beginning nor ending. You end up with the same answer whether you start straight with Scripture or you work back in the present world looking at how we make things. So that's the answer. Go to creationresearch.net, click Q&A, look up God's beginning, God's origin, or any version of those words you like. Gavin from Rockhampton, thanks so much for your call. And uh, we might have time for uh, another one. Let's hear from Dean in Perth, WA. Hello, Dean. Welcome. Hey, man, how's it going? Very good. What are your thoughts, Dan? Hey, I just had one question, right? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer myself. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, in the beginning when, when, when God said, um, do not eat of the, the tree of um, knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. So now I've just been thinking about, like, um, so what, what knowledge would Adam and Eve have had prior to that? Okay, um, we know a lot about Adam and Eve. We know that he could hear uh, because he responded to God's instructions. We know that he did what he was told because God said, name all the animals, and God sent them to him. We don't know whether he called the big Tyrannosaurus Rex a dinosaur. <laughs> These are our modern words, right? But he did a job. He named all the animals in less than uh, the lunch break to the afternoon break before Eve was made. And then when Eve came along, uh, Adam had never seen a woman before, and yet he has an inbuilt dictionary 
I mean, if you can imagine for the first time seeing an absolutely beautiful, stark naked woman, what would you call it, right? And Adam said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, that's a woman, right? So he had an inbuilt dictionary. He'd never seen a bone in his life, right? Nothing was dead. So we know a lot about his knowledge level. We also know that he had to understand God's instruction. You will not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you do, you will die. That's a meaningless instruction if Adam could not comprehend it. So not only did he have a dictionary, he had an instant recognition frame for those words. Okay, so in terms of what's being established here, uh, don't worry about was it an apple or whatever. You can look all that stuff up on creationresearch.net, click Q&A. But in reality, what God is saying, I've given you billions of trees. Touch every one of them. Climb every one of them you like, but there's one you won't eat of. Now, God is establishing, I'm in charge, not you, Adam a lesson that even the perfect man needed to learn by practice. Now, what Adam learned from this, he gained the knowledge of evil. How do we know? You see, when Adam ate of that, there's a conversation in heaven. Look, the man has become like one of us, knowing both good and evil. All he knew before was good. Right? Never experienced anything else. Now he knows evil. Let us put him out of the presence of the tree of life, lest he eat and lives forever eat and lives forever in the knowledge of evil, that would have been hell on earth. So God put him out of the presence of the tree of life as well, so he couldn't eat. He would have to die because God was preparing his son to come and die in his place. Only by dying could Adam ever get eternal life. Only by Jesus dying could he actually get that eternal life that he knew he needed. So the knowledge that he got for eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was something you and I have regretted ever since. Dean from Perth, thank you so much for your call. And we'll have to put a line under calls there, just a few minutes remaining in our conversation, just to pick up on something you've just been sharing about Jesus, uh, believing on him. Uh, because if we think about Jesus as the incarnate Son of God, uh, this appearance of this perfect image of God, Mm -hmm. uh, this death on the cross and his resurrection and our relationship then to him. Uh, How does this all uh, work together here, John? Because because while we're talking about being made in the image of God, uh, in order to have that restoration happen in us, Mm -hmm. Jesus has got to be at the center. How do we actually then relate to Jesus to make that image uh, renewal happen in our own lives? Okay, connecting some dots. Adam was in a garden when he chose to sin. Jesus was in a garden before he chose to go to the cross. Adam's sin brought thorns. Jesus had thorns on his head when he was crucified. Thorns and sin brings bloodshed and death. Jesus' death and bloodshed with thorns brought life. Okay, now you and I, we can analyze the logic of it, but unless we get to the point of saying, Oh Lord, you are my Lord. Please betake me, right? I remember when I first got involved in reading Isaiah and reading the Bible from end to end, never seen it before. In in Isaiah, God says, who will I send? And Isaiah, send me. But then the thing is, I didn't ever remember that way. Who will I take? I couldn't be sent until I was taken. So I had to say to the holy God, the maker of the heavens and earth, you are God, I am not, I'm a sinner, please I need to know you. So when you get to John 14, if you love me and obey my commandments, I will make myself known to you. To me, involved in science, that's a scientifically testable promise. And when people say, how can you be so enthusiastic with all of these professors opposing you and belittling you? I know Jesus. They only know PhDs. I know eternal life. They only know death. 
and suffering. So you really actually need to day by day spend time on your knees. I get out of bed this morning. That's one of the first things I do. Oh, Lord, it's great to see you. Great to know you again today. Here's here's the list. I'm going on vision. I need some wisdom. Uh, Neil Johnson needs to be able to put up with me. All of these sort of things. All right. And I, I give him thanks for the day. You need to do that. You need to say, please continue to remake me in my likeness that people may see you in me and very little of me. Well, John Mackay, uh, honour to you because you add value to our faith uh, by explaining these things in a way that uh, so many don't have that wonderful capacity that you do. It's a God-given gift, mm. and thank you so much for that. Just to mention a few things, and I know listeners will be very impressed to know uh, because you'd, you'd like to have uh, John Mackay on tap whenever you get into these sorts of conversations, wouldn't you? Well, John did say, and I made a little note when he did, when you go on to creationresearch.net there's a tab there you can click it's the Q&A tab and you can have your questions answered not just when John's on vision but anytime so look for that Q&A tab on creationresearch.net we've also been talking about a book that's not out yet and when we talk about uh, you know the ape man and the image of god that that one's coming it's John. coming that's right uh, but there's a couple that you might have been hearing about uh, on vision one what happened to the dinosaurs and another one, these both for children, tights, mites, the tights, and fossil mites and fossil fights. fights is for teenagers. Okay, that's good because yeah. uh, because what we want to know is uh, what's for younger children, what's mm. for teenagers, and what's the uh, you know the grown up adult mm-hmm. stuff that goes a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you say, though, the simple things are often the most profound, and don't let things get too complicated. Mm-hmm. That's when we get into uh, deep water and we lose confidence. Yeah. And uh, this idea of being connected with God having our faith in him and to be able to stand and say Genesis is history God is the creator and yes there's going to be all sorts of questions mm-hmm. around that but that's our starting point and our faith is in God and uh, of course when we came back to that connection to Jesus mm-hmm. the crucified resurrected Jesus the perfect image of God and our faith is in him and we are being aligned to him as followers of Christ. It's more than just walking in a footstep. Mm. It's being aligned with this image that he Holding has brought hands. to us. Holding hands. Wonderful way to say that. Well, John Mackay, thank you so much. I might just add one more thing this weekend for listeners who are in southeast Queensland. So if you're in Brisbane or to the west or further up north towards the Sunshine Coast, You might be impressed to know that you can see John speaking this weekend at the Bribey Island Baptist Church on Sunday, two services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30, Bribey Island Baptist Church. And I know you're looking forward to that, John. I am indeed. John, thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with us once again today on 2020. Good on you. And I should just add, (laughs) you're also making an appearance tomorrow morning on Rise and Shine. So if you didn't get through with a question today, uh, line up early in the morning, uh, Mm -hmm. get on the line and have your question answered by John Mackay. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.